I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the LPN Show. Recorded both in Los Angeles and New York City. We're just, you know, here to hang out. Have a good time. All right. Talk to y'all after a while. Hello, you lucky, lucky listeners. Beautiful listeners. Um, I'm certain that you are um, sexually uh, interesting. Um, If you're listening to this show, because this show, of all of the LPN shows, is special. Because we're speaking to someone, the, one of the deltas of the, of the world of voice. Um, again, this is your host, Henry Zabrowski. This is the LPN show, the last podcast network show. Um, and I wouldn't be here, this illustrious position, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for today's guest. This is <laughs> a man that is one, I mean, I'm, so I'm putting this responsibility on you. Ah, uh, Phil, you did this. You're part of the reason why it happens every every day. Every day, somebody's blaming me for something. So, you know, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> it's my fault. This is this is a man who is part of radio history. He is the host and creator of the Phil Hendry Show. Um, he is an actor, entertainer, but the, you probably know him from radio or just you know his voice. This is Phil Hendry. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for being here. Henry, thanks, brother. Thanks for having me with you, man. I, I saw your podcast being promoted and stuff, and, and I knew you were doing this, but uh, uh, I had no idea you'd actually call me up and have me be on it. Uh, I well, well, because I didn't want to sandbag you with this, because you no. have um, you have an illustrious career in entertainment. Obviously, the, one of the crown jewels is when you did an episode of Your Pretty Face is Going. <laughs> that was like one of the biggest. Oh, I know that's a big credit. That was a great gig, man. That was a great guy. I, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing because I, I wasn't even quite sure of my character, to be honest with you. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say Dave Willis is very um, I love him to death yeah. because what I like about him is that he brings people onto the show that he kind of knows will just do their what thing. He, what he wants them to do, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. And he can mold us yeah. because he forgets that we are not cartoons, that we're humans. <laughs> and then he's just like, he really wishes he could control literally our physical bodies. Yeah. Well, I did. That was a great gig. And it was great being back in Atlanta, man, because I worked there in the early 90s for WSB. And um, I'd never been on a freaking, seen a green screen that big. So everything about it was, and I got to meet everybody from um, Adult Swim, they're a great bunch, shit. man. Great people, man. Yeah. I, I miss working for them because we haven't been, I haven't seen them all in years, but it's kind of funny. It's like, it's the type of environment where 
you kind of, it does, in show business, it, it's all bullshit when people say like, oh, you know, cast is like a family, but <laughs> this that show was like a family, and it yeah. is like, they, they are all, we all got very close, all of the adults with great crew people too. and the cast. Yeah, and the crew was great. Oh, they're all wild. Know, really great people. But the reason why I brought you here today is not just because of that ultimate credit. It's because I, I didn't <laughs> want to tell you this on set because I think I didn't know how much smoke you get blown up your ass at all times <laughs> or because about this type of thing. You're a if one of, if not the most famous voice men in radio that exists. Like, I, I would put you up there. My father got me obsessed with you. When I was in high school, I was a big stern head. Mm -hmm. I was big into all, I loved radio coming, all sorts of terrestrial radio. And my father used to sit and cackle at the Phil Hendry show for hours. Like he would cackle. He loved this fucking show. And I think it's a part of when you watch your father laugh doing something, there's kind of an inner thing where you're like, I need to get that emotional response (laughs) from my father because normally it's just cold. It's like an absence of anything. So did you, was that in LA? Did you grow up in California? Where, where was that? that? That time period I was in, I was in Tampa, Florida. Okay. Yeah. So this was like the like late 1990s, early 2000s in Tampa. I believe you were in syndication. So you were a, a fucking titan of terrestrial radio. And now we're all on the internet. Now, cause like, yeah. I, I really want to ask just like, what are the, the differences? Like, how did you get into radio? Number one, like, wh- wh- are you like, uh, did you just grow up talking to yourself? Yeah, I did. I, I grew up listening to people and mimicking them back to myself. And then I got a hold of a little tape recorder that I bought for like $14. I'll never forget. And I started recording myself and my kid sister doing sort of silly man on the street things. My sister and I did the same. It's very, it's very strange. We were very immediately. I had a because we had one of those like twenty five pound video cameras. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like, and I used to make little TV recorder. shows. With yeah, them. yeah, yeah. You bet. Kid sisters, man, they're the first audience. She was my first audience, and yours probably was yours. And and um, yeah, so yeah. And then um, I got hung up on being a writer for a while. I thought I was going to be another Jack Kerouac. I went hitchhiking around. This was in the late early seventies, and uh, I wanted to be a uh, some kind of a fucking John Dos Passos. <clears throat> but then yeah, I decided, well, radio, I love radio so much. I love that whole theater. I think I'll get into that and that will pay for my life as I learn to be a writer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Never happened, man. I just stayed in radio, you know, and, and then sort of stumbled my way through it. I, I don't know if, if I'm going ahead of what you asked me, Henry, but no, uh, please. I fell in love with the radio. Just to tell you, I fell in love with the radio on a trip from California to Canada to visit my grandparents when I was five. And my dad was driving. Everybody's asleep in the car. Four kids and my mother. This is this is my family, you know. Somehow they yeah. did it. And everyone's asleep except for me. <laughs> I'm standing up, leaning on the seat. That's how small I was, listening to the radio as it was fading in and out. New stations would come in and pass out. And I heard these guys talking. And I thought this was the greatest thing I'd ever heard in my life. These dudes in these faraway cities telling me about the weather. Here's a song by Johnny Mathis or whatever, you know, and... But they sound so cool. I know that's what my thing, they sounded so cool. And then I gravitated very early on to what would then be known as like shock jock radio, that form of like broad comedy radio. But I loved it. Yeah, which just doesn't exist anymore. But um, so you and I know a radio, Henry, that was an entertainment medium. Um, Yeah. I grew up in Los Angeles. We had guys like Gary Owens, who you probably have never heard of, but Gary Owens was a giant radio in LA. And he was later went on to fame as the uh, Rowan and Martin laughing announcer. He'd have his hand famously over his ear. 
Oh um, yeah, I know that guy. I remember from my parents watching laughing. Laughing. Loman and Barkley. I listen to all these guys who were voice guys, theater of the mind guys, entertainment guys. Bob Crane, who went on to Hogan's Heroes, was a morning man in Los Angeles who used to go down and interview people on the docks in San Pedro just for laughs. And, you know, yeah, it's crazy shit. So I wanted to do that. It sounded to me like you could produce a whole movie and just be one guy sitting in a sound, you know, in a, in a sound booth with all these sound effects and shit. So I just thought it was the greatest thing I ever heard in my life. And I, I, I thought I wanted to be a writer, but I really wanted to be this guy creating this reality in this little studio yeah. with microphones. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, you should go and check it out. Like the Phil Hendry show was you alone. And yeah. then you'd essentially call yourself as right. guests. That's right. Right. And then you there would be parody songs and there'd be things kind of been like, can I ask like, how big was your staff? Like, did you have writers? Is it all just like, was it you just uh, everything off the top of your dome 24 seven? It started out, you know, when I first started, when I finally got serious about what I wanted to do in radio, I was in my late thirties by that point. I was, it was like 1990 and I was working here where I live today. Late thirties is the new 21. I don't care what anybody says. The, I, I feel it's younger. True, and <laughs> it is, it, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it's true that you take it. I, th- I think I heard somebody say, I don't know who it was, some actor, Jack Nicholson, I think, said, you got to work 20 years before you figure out what it is you really want to do. And, and I thought I was kidding at the time, but I think he's he was near correct. You have to put in a lot of years before you go. Now I know how to do it, you know, and that yeah. and that happened to me. And, and so what I did to answer your your answer, your question, Henry, was I basically wrote the shows myself and I did write a lot of longhand shit until I realized, wait a minute, man, you can bullet point this stuff. You don't have to necessarily do whole paragraphs. You don't have to write like the (laughs) punchlines. Exactly. Yeah. And that's when you begin to learn how to, to really improvise. You have to, in radio, you gotta be able to improvise. Because dead radio is the worst side with the dead air is the worst thing on the face of the planet. Imaginable. Although I did do a thing once I decided to just, not say anything for 30 seconds to see what would happen. (laughs) (laughs) These people running down the hall, looking in the glass, but what happened? (laughs) Then you had a heart attack. Yeah. Right. So, but I, I, essentially I did not have writers. I did have a producer writer early on when I went, when I got syndicated, because basically the company said, would you like to have a writer and a producer? And all they they, I said, okay. And that didn't work. I, I had a very creative producer, but I didn't need anybody writing. And, I got to realize that really all you're doing is bringing in, when you're doing a talk show, you're bringing in a premise that has to be organic. It has to be very visceral. Um, I found areas that really triggered the audience, such as anything having to do with immigrants, anything having to do with pilots. Pilots always called as soon as you mentioned anything having to do with flying, you know. It's really <laughs> strange. Yeah, yeah. It's, there, there are certain phenomena. It's like we, we go through uh, on our podcast here, we have guys with guys who own guns. Yeah. are very they they are very, they know their guns and mm-hmm. if you get anything wrong with the guns they want to talk about the guns <laughs> yeah yeah which is being like at least you're just talking about them yeah and 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 same thing with with pilots uh anything having to do with kids the elderly african american women were the greatest callers ever because they were members of the the, the populace who had gone through a specific kind of experience which was basically yes. getting their asses kicked a lot in life and by the time they get to be 60, they don't take any shit from anybody, you know, <laughs> and they, they put up, pull it, put. so and and different pockets, different areas of life that we found that we could uh, 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 play to. And it got to the point where I could just walk in with a premise, such as, for instance, 
I got a, I had a character named Bob Green and uh, he had a voice like this because he was he sounded exactly like my general manager in Miami, Bob Green. <laughs> so he was based on only we made this guy a grocer and we had a young girl come in, Phil. She was eight years old. She knocked over the uh, Bartle oil display. So uh, naturally, we made her stay and, and clean it up. Made her stay. What do you mean? Well, I'm not going to have some kid come in, you know. <laughs> well, it's because people would go, because my father, because this is literally what, because my father would be like, okay, okay. And then people start calling in and flipping right. out, and right? Flipping because out, you're yeah. playing a fake psychopath. Yeah. Like, dude, it's so funny. It's such so a I, good natural reaction. Yeah. So here's, here's me as Phil. And I always played a very, the character I played on the show was very moderating, always trying to see the other side, you know, normal guy. Uh, which is yeah, not like the a, a vehement centrist, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, a yeah. thing where everybody's reasonable, like everybody be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. and come on now, calm down. And then I was also the character. So I'm going between the phone and the mic. And uh, so, Bob, uh, this kid knocked over the oil and or she said, Phil, this kid knocks over the oil. And uh, so what do you do? Well, I, I, I made her stay and clean it up. You made her stay. What about the parents? Well, I at that point. They're kind of secondary to my interest is that, well, aren't the parents wondering what see I'm doing this quick? <laughs> yes, of and, course. And aren't the parents, the parents may be interested, Phil, but I got a, you know, Bardall, I got a, I got a franchise agreement with them. So this guy is basically keeping this child hostage to clean this shit up. <laughs> and, and here come the calls, you know, and it's, that's very visceral, very basic. And it's also unusual, too. You don't want to just say, hey, all kids should be slave labor because people are going to think you're putting them on. But um, when you say something that's very real, like a kid being kept in a grocery store to clean up a, a freaking display. And we found these things out as we did the show. And, and um, I did a bit one night on a Halloween night. I had a character uh, <clears throat> who was uh, a, a preacher. And he was telling me, Phil, on Halloween night, I don't fly because goblins, witches, they get sucked into the turbine, you know, <laughs> and this kind of shit. Well, you know, I did this bit on Halloween Net. We were at the Museum of Television Radio in New York. I thought, well, fuck, we're not going to get calls, but it's pretty funny. It's Halloween. I'll be a son of a bitch. We got a call from a pilot who said, who was British. I don't know who you are and I don't know what you think you're playing at, but I wouldn't allow you on my flight deck. What are you talking about? Witches and goblins sucked into the turbine. Just who do you think you? Oh my God! It was this. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So when you get calls like that, you, it's gold, man. You know. Oh yeah. Do you, did you find that accidentally? Like, I I will never say that I am anywhere close to what you do with your characters, but I build characters on the fly sure. for the podcast all the time. Right. That's oh, okay. a part of what I'm supposed to you. You fly out. You you are. That's the beautiful thing I think and about you radio. Sort of, and you build the bio later. The biography kind of comes to you as you're building the character, right? Oh, this guy was born in this town, and you know. You start to thread, which it took me a while because I think that I mean, even now, obviously, there are a lot of people probably shaking their head listening to me say this, but like I do search for a grounded something in the character. But I wonder, like, did you work that out beforehand? Like this idea of like to make a character truly believable and get those responses. It does have to sound like it's, it's slipping out of the mouth of a real person. You do, you do. And, and, uh, uh, and that's exactly what you do. You uh, create uh, from maybe a voice you heard uh, or a person you saw. Do you do celebrity impressions? Like, did you, were you an impressionist too I, I, or not? I'm very bad. Very, I, I do one really good celebrity impression. And he's dead now and has been for many years. But he was a CBS newsman named Charles Kuralt, who did the Sunday morning show. And uh, I'm Charles Kuralt. And this is CBS Sunday morning. Yeah, and he was I very, remember. You remember Charles Kuralt? And he had yeah, this very funny. folks, had a very folksy way. 
Mary Brown owns a little cabin by a river in Iowa where the ducks get, you know, this kind of shit. So, but I never, but then that's a character. You don't even, no one knows that because they don't know it anymore. Now you could steal that man's voice. Hey, you know what? That's a good idea. I never thought of that, man. Holy Jesus. Yeah, that's the only impression I do is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM. Oh, I got to hear it. I got to hear it. All I just being like, well, tell me, uh, do you think that uh, Bigfoot actually, uh, do you think he needs our support? Uh, it is very, because he just, he wears the, he asks the dumbest shit questions to people about ghosts and aliens he's just like because he's again a vi- he is a real violent centrist where he does not he doesn't cotton to he doesn't care that everything sounds insane everything is perfectly rational whatever it is you're saying to him it's like uh-huh uh-huh and he wants to know like the the idiosyncrasy the in and outs of these things that are all fake you know what I mean? Like, people right. are making this shit up as right. they go. And so you hear them go like, yes, George, yes, they uh, they should get it. If you look at some of the dermal ridges on some of these footprints left behind, <laughs> some of these big feet do desperately need arch support. And you, they're just trying to stay uh, in the arch. show. Oh, you said arch as an A-R-C-H? I thought you said <laughs> <Yes>. our. <laughs> With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Oh, actually, speaking of it, I did an Art Bell impression that got really popular with with Art. Um, I should say really popular, but Art would hear my impression and I was told he liked it. In fact, I met Art Bell. He's a wonderful guy and probably took the humor that we created at his expense better than anybody should reasonably take it, you know. Because Nori does, I was invited to do Nori and Nori does not like impressions of him. Apparently he did (laughs) not like it. But Art Bell, I mean, what amazing. See you guys fucking oil wrestling each other because I want to say I'm not saying anything bad about how how we look, Phil, and same thing with Art Bell, but there seems to be a type of body that's built for radio. Yeah. You know, like there's a, there's a man, there's a stature for yeah. men in radio. And I, I just watching you and Art Bell, like wrestle each other would be kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, except um, he probably kicked my ass and uh, we he can't seemed like have a that. tough guy. Yeah. He, he got yeah. shot by the fucking cops. He got shot. Oh yeah. He will. I didn't know that. He went, he got, fr- no, no, no. He didn't die shot by the cops. Who got shot by the cops? Oh, Bill. Uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Oh, I can't. If my whole audience is going to scream at me, uh, behold the pale horse. Um, behold the pale God. horse. Is he another nighttime weirdo dude? Another nighttime weirdo guy. He got shot by the fucking cops. Um, <laughs> but this is, it's kind of crazy. But the idea that you guys were all around at the same time is kind of inspiring. Like you and Art Bell, like being contemporaries, because he was such a, he's also incredibly important to who I am as a human being. 
But like, how did you feel like about legit radio? Like that idea of like, like that talk, because you guys were just a direct parody almost of this very sincere form of entertainment. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I was always, I guess, sort of a, a, a satirist in training. And when I finally figured out what I wanted to do, I realized that what I was listening to on the radio, I hated, I hated talk radio. I hated, I hated how phony it was. I, I just, I hated media, not because I didn't like being on the air. I love that, but I didn't like the bad and, and disingenuous use of it. And yeah. uh, you, you know how that happens. It comes organically to you to begin to make fun of those things. And so um, I was listening to some dude one day on the radio here in town at KABC uh, who was doing an interview. He was, he was reading both sides of an interview with Saddam Hussein. And when he did Saddam Hussein's voice, he put a filter on. So it'd be like, and then he responded, I don't think that I should be this, that, this, something else. It was very straight, but in order to differentiate. And I thought I could interview Saddam Hussein actually doing his voice, or maybe I should interview an Iraqi. And so I would, I tried it out in my kitchen there. And I went into the station the next day, which was KVEN radio here in Ventura. And I sat there and I said, I think what I'll do is rather than interview this guy, I'll just be the guy. That's great. And this was during the buildup to the Gulf, to the desert storm war of 1990, which I don't know, you must've been a real tiny kid then. I remember watching it all on TV and CNN, I was like, Oh, yeah. look at the fun rockets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the scud stud, Arthur Kent. So, and, and all of a sudden people started calling. I didn't anticipate that. Now you asked me, did I plan it? That was completely unplanned. I just decided to do this. And I figured the worst thing would happen. People say, how dare he pretend he's an Iraqi and make fun of our fine men and women. But what happened was people called and my engineer is doing this. He's like, He's pointing like at the phones. Fucking stop it. Yeah, like, no, stop, stop. No, he's not doing that. He's, he's pointing at the phones, and I look, and their fucking lines are lit up. Oh, shit. And I go, what, Greg? He says, they want to talk to the fucking Iraqi. And so I said, well, put them through. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he's good. That's me. Yeah, let's do this. We, know, we have a show. Put them through, yeah. There's another crux of another question now. So, like, I feel that, okay, terrestrial radio had a magic, and it had a a reach that I don't think that people really understood at some point. Cause I think they said what, like Howard Stern at his peak, something like 25 million people oh, listening to him. Like, yeah. yeah, like crazy numbers. Right. Yeah. And so terrestrial radio and that is since that is no longer a thing. Like, mm, see, yeah. you know, it's not the same. It's all run by corporations. It's all just like bots doing bullshit, but it kind of feels like in a way with streaming and with the internet, it mm-hmm. does sort of, mimic the same immediacy that terrestrial radio had but to my mind like to you what's the real difference like now that you because you you left the phil hendry show was like in 2006 like um well 2013 is when i stopped doing radio entirely like entirely yeah i was on the network in in oregon talk radio network and here's what happened because i sat there uh with a bunch of other cats that were uh, the guys over at Sideshow Network who were doing podcasts and some radio people, and they said to me, we were having lunch one day, uh, uh, Darren McElroy is a really great guy. He says, to, or Darren McAfee, I should say, and he said to me, you know, they're going to get into sports radio, man. I said, why? He says, because talk radio has gotten too controversial and too off the charts crazy for the advertisers. Yeah. And I said, no shit. He said, yeah, all these cats are switching over to sports, and the guys that don't, our cats are just going to strictly do political talk 
and they already know who their advertisers are. These are people that are entirely comfortable with that kind of talk. They want that audience, elderly, conservative people. Okay, groovy. So but now did you feel the pressure to be more like that? Like, was there a pressure up top for you to be more like uh, kind of incendiary or like genuinely political? Like, No, no. I, I, I wanted to be political briefly there around 2008 because I saw that there was a presidential election. There was a lot of heavy shit happening. But I tried to do more humorous commentary with it and yes. and uh, eventually kind of went back to what my strength was the characters but what happened for me was uh the support wasn't there anymore for the kind of radio that i did you, first of all you need really good screeners that's call screeners to make sure that you get the proper calls and i that's was working, why we stopped doing calls too because of that it's very funny how of, we didn't think like that we didn't think like that but then we're like oh no this is like a whole part of the infrastructure you must have yeah you got to have good screening and i was remote by that time i wasn't in the same studio with my screeners when I was the premiere and at British, I could actually screen the calls along with my screener during commercial breaks. And we would, you know, but so there, I didn't have that kind of support. I wasn't live as much anymore. It was delayed broadcast. So if you're delayed broadcast, you don't have a live audience and you need to mine those for, for phone calls. So I just said, you know, man, my contract's up and I'm all done and we'll just go full on digital and uh, develop a subscriber base. And go yes. more toward and maintain the entertainment base of the show. But as far as taking live phone calls and doing that kind of improvisational theater, it just there's no infrastructure for it anymore. To use the word that, that, you, that you used, uh, Henry, the, the, there was no support for that kind of entertainment, satirical radio. And I used to get this shit all the time. This really bothered me. When I, even when I was at Premiere at the, the height of our, our show's success, I would get people saying, I can't get it on that station in Chicago. Why is that? He doesn't get it. I go, what the fuck is to get? What do you mean yeah, he doesn't yeah, get yeah, it? Man, yeah. I'm fucking making fun of talk radio. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, it's a satire. Well, he doesn't understand. So what? You know, right then you knew you were on kind of the downslope of whatever it was we were doing in radio. If you got programmers that don't get it. So which also don't understand the idea of a talk radio format. Like it's as simple as it gets. It seems yeah. like it's one of those things where you look and be like, no, he's a walking one man show. He's a one man show much, yeah. that you just have to put the microphones at and set it all up. And it already had a fan base. But yeah. how do you feel like it's translating now? Like now that it's you now that you're doing it, because I know you also like you wanted to be an actor because, first of all, because you were saying I, one thing I read that you said that that you had to quit modeling because of how much work you were getting and you were sick of you were sick of it. Yeah, I was, I was, I was getting laid too much and uh I couldn't get out of the house, you know, so I, uh, <laughs> it, it's so hard <laughs> to be beautiful. Yeah, right. Um, but we got, you get into acting and we were talking a little bit the briefly before the show about how it is kind of fun to go back from when you are now we're all CEOs, yeah, right? Like yeah. you run, you are the network producer, yeah. you are talent, you are catering. Um, yep. you're the tech guy. You can have a producer like we, you know, at LPN, we have producers and stuff, but it's still just kind of like us running shit. Right. But it's so nice to go back to acting where there's like the lines are already written. Yeah. I don't have to come up with shit. I just put on a shirt. I just <laughs> do my thing. I eat lunch. I wave at the, the famous people and then I leave. Yeah. Well, uh, I came to acting much later than you, Henry, because I was always just a radio guy. And then I came to California. And then all of a sudden I had people calling and asking, what do you want to do? One of the things they do in Hollywood, <clears throat> maybe I don't know if you know, we're on this side of it, but they'll say, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'm doing it. I'm doing a radio show. Well, but, you know, there's a lot of interest in television. 
I said, well, what do you, what would you like me to do? Well, we don't know. So I realized you really have to come with ideas in this town. And <clears throat> if you want to be an actor, and I never really, it was never my uh, desire to be an actor. What happened to me is that a, I met a lot of actors and producers and writers who wanted me to, to do some shows and radio started doing one of these, as I said. And so that became an outlet, a place where I could go to make a living. And, and I have a, a what I do on the air, what I was doing on the air was acting anyway. So uh, oh, well you were already it. playing characters. Yeah. You just yeah. had to like put them on their feet. Put do you feel feet. like there was, what was, what do you think was the biggest challenge of going? I mean, like besides literally the comfort of our studio to a set, but what do you use the biggest challenge for the jump of playing characters on camera? Well, well, first of all, for me, it was, it was working from a script and interacting with other characters um yeah. i was doing improv i was improv the whole thing myself and whoever else i was interacting with was an unsuspecting sort of unprofessional non-professional so the challenge for me was you know uh learning lines and i guess the challenge was acting so anyway <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> it's true yeah, though that's the thing, it, 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 <laughs> but yeah I, I that was a challenge and then um, but I did what anybody would do. I took acting classes and uh, learned how to uh, make it as organic as I possibly can and, and learned how to work from a, a part of myself that I probably hadn't been working from, which is more of real, um, you know, rooting, rooting things in more real feelings than just being uh, just creating things for comic effect, you know. So, yes, that was all really challenging, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because even as even when doing satire, because I think that's it's important because. Real satire, which I think is the stuff that carries through, the stuff that, you know, you don't have to scream I'm sorry for every five minutes, literally right. comes from a base of intelligent, pointed, and grounded way of doing the the subject, where you're trying to get a response, where you maybe didn't know it originally you were trying to get a response, but you are like, you do have to come at it with an a very concise, full idea. Yeah. Before you fuck around with it. Uh, Gary Trudeau said, uh, said uh, that, you know, satire is humor with a point of view, um, a very specific and, and, and sharp point of view, too. And so it can piss people off. Um, yeah. And, and, and but I don't know of any other kind of humor that's worth doing, to be honest with you. I don't you know. I, yeah, I like jokes as much as the next guy about, you know, the size of somebody's dick or whatever. But I just love fucking with people's point of view on things, man. You know, I think it's a lot of well, fun. That's what. Yeah. That's what makes radio lively, or that's definitely what made radio lively. But then yeah. we're starting to see it pop up in on the internet. Like now, I yeah. feel like streaming, streaming specifically, is the biggest equivalent to terrestrial live radio that I've seen because it's really the danger of the live aspect yeah. that I think is kind of missing from, especially like acting. All it's, it's this, you don't get this unless you're in theater or doing comedy like live. It's yeah. the same. It's you don't get the same like thrill. And one of the things that I, that I got to figure out is I've gone on stage at UCB in places that I've done my shtick live for an audience, but I, I, and I know there's such a thing as comedy as the act out Lenny Bruce, who was one of my heroes and is very, not well known among younger people and younger comics, but Lenny Bruce was really the father of attitude humor. And he did act outs. He would get on stage and pretend he was an agent. He was two agents and they're looking to see if they can replace the Kaiser with a new dictator and they discover Hitler painting a wall. But he did all of this. He did all of this on stage as an act out and he did it successfully. 
And I would love to be able to, and I don't think I've ever really been able to do that. You know, I, 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 I don't, I haven't figured out how to do that. It sounds as, as crazy as it sounds, but um, I know it's weird to say, but it sounds like it's another, it's like a 10,000 hours, like Malcolm Gladwell thing where it's yeah. like, it becomes another muscle. The more you do it on stage and fail. Yeah. Well, you know what? There, there you go. I need to get out there and fail more. <laughs> doing I mean, that kind I of guess. Shit. Yeah. That's not a bad, bad idea, but well, here we are in the middle of this shit, the Black Plague or whatever. So nobody's going anywhere. Um, I'm not doing anything fun. That's why streaming has gotten even bigger and better because yeah. of everybody is home and we can all put on a show from home. Well, here's the thing, man. Like I do a chat every Friday night with my subscribers. And my girlfriend says to me, boy, this is kind of boring, man. All you're doing is reading the chat messages and going, hey, thanks a lot, Bill from Tulsa. Yeah, yeah, I like doing that. And she goes, why don't you do some of the shit you do on the show? I go, well, here's me. This is what I do on my show. Well, Phil, how are you today? I'm fine. That isn't that nice. Is that it? You're just fine? Well, uh, you know, you and Jackie, you, you and Jackie flying across the country, seeing each other. You're risking death, Phil. Well, Margaret, you are risking death, Phil, you know? So she said, now you're laughing. And Jackie says to me, why don't you fucking do that, man? And I'm like, is it interesting to look at? And here you are laughing at it, Henry. And, and she said, yeah, it's funny to look at. So that's why we started doing the last stream on the left. We started doing our show because people, because that's what I said. I was just like, oh, no one wants to see the behind the scenes right on, of the yeah. podcast. And they're like, no, no, no. We want to see your face change. change. We like seeing it change to the voice right. whatever it is you're doing because right. it's weird it kind of sees like because it doesn't i because for a while i thought oh well this will kind of bust it i'll look stupid right you worry about that people are more like oh that's weird he actually becomes somebody else with the wells fargo active cash credit card you can earn unlimited two percent cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need that means you earn on what you want like trying out that new workout class and two percent cash rewards on what you need like a foam roller for your sore muscles that's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Right, but it's funny to watch you do it, too. It's entertaining, you know, and, and, and that's, that's also... So, I don't know. I mean, as we talk about streaming and what we're discovering in terms of entertaining people... Um, this is something else. It's just being sort of being yourself goofing uh, in front of a camera. But, you know, you have a form there that you're sort of staying within the guardrails yes. of, hopefully. Um, but when we get back to doing live performing, when all of this, hopefully this COVID shit, I, I have a sense, though, man, things are really going to change. Like, um, well, I do a lot of voice acting. I do a lot of animation. And, yeah. and uh, they would say, Okay, do you want to do Source Connect from your studio, Phil, or do you want to come into the studio? I said, I'll come in. I'll drive in. I don't give a shit. I love seeing people. You know, I've got my mask yeah, on. Yeah, I miss and, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, but I got a feeling, man, that with with uh, 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 this happening, it's going to change the business. 
I and believe I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I profoundly, don't man. Profoundly, yeah. And so I think that a lot of shit's going to open up. And I hate to say this, but I uh, I don't think the money is going to be there the way it was because I think these companies are finding out how to do shit cheaper. To be honest with you, well, they learn that they number one, they don't need offices, they don't need studios, they don't need to pay you to come and do it. They know that anybody <laughs> will do it from their homes. They will come and do it. They're excited to get back in, especially because yeah. everyone's going to be so. I, I'm excited. I the the one my positive end of it is that live shows I think are going to be popping. Like yeah. I think in twenty and then twenty twenty two, it's going to be like just I'm just no one's going to have a shirt on. You know what I mean for like a year. Yeah. Like everyone's just going to be outside, just one giant with the snake writhing around each other. Yeah, just yeah. so excited to make COVID twenty three. Like I'm very excited for that time period. Can I ask you a, like a sincere question? Of course, as yeah. a as a person that often, um, I've now been doing my show for whatever for ten years, making stuff up for years. Same thing, hours of improv per week, dozens of hours per week of maintain. What do you do when you have a week or a day that you don't feel funny? That you don't know where the inspiration. Like, do you ever feel like that? Is that a good thing? Like, what, what do you do with burnout? What do you do improv burnout? Like, at Whoa. some point, especially when it is just this style, where mm-hmm. you're like talking into a microphone alone. Yeah. Like, how do you g- get re-inspired? Is it just the money? Is it just the piles and piles of money? Yeah, it it, it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I go to the post office once a day to to get the. $10,000 checks. And I go, Oh, that's right. They pay me for this shit. No, I, um, for me, um, I go into character, man. Um, I I've created about 40 different characters and, and I will go into character. I'll go over to Twitter, but believe it or not, Twitter is a great show prep spot for me because I've got five or six, actually I got 10 character accounts on Twitter and I can just write like general Galen Shaw. who was a character I yeah. had. We go, you know, let, let me tell you something, Phil. I don't know, but something I tweeted the other day was like, you know, for my money, uh, this uh, soccer, I don't know, I, I could get my Twitter account up, but like Bobby Dooley or General Shaw will say something. Well, let me tell you something, my man, you know, for my money, this soccer, you can take that and you can stick it as far up your ass. I don't care about it, you know, <laughs> and this kind of shit, <laughs> just like my dad, you know, yeah, or, of uh, course. or Bobby Dooley, like, you know, something I think a lot of people have been very unfairly treated. You know what I mean, Phil? Phil? Yeah, about what? Well, the whole capital insurrection. That realtor from North Texas, she didn't know how she's supposed to know, you know. And as soon as I get into character, all this shit starts pouring out of me, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just get away from Phil Henry. And I think that's really what you're talking about, getting away from the, 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 my life and whatever's wrong with it and uh, and do that. And uh, Have you ever been accused by lovers of there is no real you? <laughs> No, never. I've had that happen a couple of times. Are you like, serious? There is no core you. You know, and you'd be like, no, 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 no. There is a core me. It's just kind of blank. Yeah. You know, like it's just a, a very boring person. Like the real me is actually a very boring. Like I don't do. Like I'll sit and watch Marriage at First Sight in my underwear for hours. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I. I. Yeah. There's. There's Phil. Actually, the real me is a. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to get too heavy, but I, I've uh, had to take, you know, depression uh, uh, meds, you know, starting in my yeah. early 30s. And um, so, you know, I, I kind of know the other side of that, man. And, uh, you know, um, 
but I've been able to, through my life and the things I've learned and personal philosophy to kind of overcome all that shit, get to a place where if I'm not inspired, if I don't know what I'm going to do on the show tonight, if I don't know what I'm going to do uh, for, you know, whatever it is I have to do, I just have to start doing it. You know, I'll sit down behind a microphone yeah. or I'll sit walking around in the, in the house uh, and start riffing on shit, man. Anything that I see, you know, to, to sort of get that engine primed and get, get it rolling again. Cause you got to work. I mean, if the guy is expecting you to deliver, you got to be there, you know, to deliver. You have and, to and, deliver. And yeah. Do you, know, know, do you feel like for you, are the stakes really high? Still, always. Like, do you still? Yeah. Always. That man. doesn't I, stop. Huh? Not till, not till the day I die, man. You know, right. I've always got, I've got something I need to do. I got so I'm never going to be able to coast. No, We're never going to be able to coast. Never. I don't, I don't see this how is I, I don't see how <laughs> what, I thought that there would be a day. <laughs> You're always going to want to, you're always going to want to do something and you're always going to want to hit another height. And there's always going to be something you see that you want to do. And, uh, that's, that's my life, you know? And, uh, um, when radio went away, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wandered in a wheeler. My, my marriage went away. The radio business went away. I had my little, you know, my little digital business and my voiceover gigs and, and these little, you know, every now and again, good people like yourself here was call me and say, do you want to be in a TV show? I, I was wandering in a wilderness, though, as to what it was I was supposed to be doing. And um, yeah. I focused down on it and I realized that, yeah, I'm a performer. I'm a creator. I'm a writer. And comedy is really my thing. So yeah. I decided that that's where my future lies in creating funnier, maybe more extreme, maybe not so extreme, but be creating funnier realities um, as I go along. That's that's the only way I can look at it. Is there anything in your mind that you like picture? Is there like a fantasy of like what you'd want to do? Like, is there like a thing that you like still like locked and loaded? Like, is there, it's like, what's the dream project that you'd want to do besides just having the Phil Hendry show again? Like, because you have the Phil Hendry show, but you know, like, do you want, like, is there like playing Tommy Lasorda? <laughs> in the big new Tommy Lasorda movie. Yeah. Just called It's Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> it's Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Lasorda movie. Um, I think I'd like to uh, create, um, I think I would like to uh, produce uh, a, um, some kind of a big animated effort based upon my characters, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and, That's like uh, a no brainer. Yeah. Bring those guys to life in a, I don't know how big or small, but, um, and, and bring those cats to life that way um, so that we see them in their, in their, uh, in their, you know, natural setting as it were. I think I'd like to do that. And, and um, uh, this isn't like a quiz. I feel yeah, that I, I, know, I, I know I'm dropping. I, it's, it's, a really it's not like I have question, big money man. producers listening to this. You know I mean? There's nobody, it's no one's there to help us. It's interesting. Well, ain't that the truth? Uh, <laughs> it's, no, it's an interesting question. I think, I think I like what I'm doing right now. Um, I just like to grow uh, my little netcast that I do grow my business, grow my voiceover business and, uh, and, uh, my acting gigs and see where that goes, man. You know, um, cause yeah, like I said, I thought I'd be on the radio until I died. And, uh, when radio went away, I, I talked to the people, friends of mine in the print business, cats that used to write for newspapers. They're like, I thought I'd be a newspaper writer for the rest of my life. Who knew? Oh, you know? yeah. Uh, and then you got what's Twitter's just about to start charging <laughs> that new thing, the super Twitter, whatever bullshit this is. They're starting to put up more paywalls. They're trying to figure out, which I do agree with I, up to a point where you're trying to get more people like who make 
journalists and stuff to get paid because oh. people don't buy the medium anymore right. because yeah. it's hard it's to free. capture information and charge mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's it very is. Pocahontas like yeah. in that way. We're, you can't the fucking the news is the colors of the wind and it's just out there. <laughs> yeah. It's very difficult to rein it in and then sell it. Yeah, because everybody's everybody's doing everybody's a reporter. Everybody's a freaking journalist, you know, and uh, and that's the other thing. Everybody is doing prank. People say, I love the show when you did the, the calls. I said, well, you know, everybody's doing prank. Humor. I couldn't do that now. I don't think if you put radio back on today, did my show back on the air today. I wouldn't get the phone calls because people would be wary of it. It even happened to me toward the bitter end where people would say, are you a shock jock? Is this some kind of a, uh, this is a gag? And it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the problem with like comes with the success is yeah. that it starts to fuck with the material. Like <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen talked about like the challenges of oh, trying to do Borat again, when it's been like, Borat's fucking very famous, but then he also said, "You'd be surprised just how stupid people are, and also true. don't pay attention." Like Absolutely people, true. Like, you can still skate as long as you arrive in yeah. character. I uh, I used to do that on the air. I'd say, "You guys think that um, I, I can't keep this going?" I would say this like fifth. I say in fifteen minutes, I'm going to do a bit about this, that, this, that, this, that. You watch, I'll get calls. I would say that on the air. Bang! There they were. You know, because one, one thing you learn about radio, and it's, it's probably true about any, every other medium, people are extremely selective in their listening. They're very transient yes. in the way they hear things. And people do what is called in radio, we call them cum listeners. They tune in, they tune out, they tune in, they tune out. And so at any given moment, you're just throwing the, the line in the water and there may be a fish coming along that didn't know there was a line in the water there before. So it's true. And uh, I, I used to talk to guys when I, when I first went on the air at KFI, one of the salesmen looked at me and said, well, now, I know you were on the air in Atlanta, Phil, and Minneapolis, you know, but this is L.A. I think you'll find the people here are much smarter. No, <laughs> no, they're not. No, they weren't. Dude. No, we're not. Man. No, they weren't. We're brother. really yeah. not. And we, <laughs> so, we no. are, if, if we're, we might be a little bit more broken than the rest of the country, <laughs> just because of how many dreams are destroyed here. But no, they're still out there. There's still plenty of goofballs. But more broken. we keep trying to. <laughs> we keep trying to do um, – we did a, a call-in show for a little bit for SiriusXM. We're trying to do that, back, but I still think the magic of the call-in show is amazing. And that bit of advice that you just dropped is actually incredibly pertinent to mm -hmm. podcasts because the way podcast listens are generated, because they are generated over periods of time, how many times you listen to within a bracket of time, yeah. that like – that's gold for a podcaster to understand that you keep dropping the line in because you never know when someone's going to come back and pick well, up that, that's true. to it again. When it comes to listenership, yes, that's very true. What podcasts do not have is the live, um, if mm -hmm. unless you're streaming, but, but people have to seek out. Podcasting is what is basically appointment listening, you know, where it's on demand. So people want to seek you out and listen to you. No one is really sort of just stumbling upon your podcast, Henry. True. They, True. This, no, it is a show. I we a show. do our podcast. It's a show. It yeah. is. That's why it changed when we started to stream. Streaming mm -hmm. was the first time where I was just like, "Oh, this feels like radio." Yeah, like this feels like because you really are your asses out there. Yep. Well, are you streaming? Is this this is being recorded right now? Right. Oh yeah, this is yeah. edited, and there's going to be sound effects put in there, and it's going to be a lot of like <laughs> all of the bullshit. Put a know, rabbit head on me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This yeah, will be heavily edited. So, so where do you, when do you do your streaming show? 
We do a show for um, Tuesday evenings. Okay, we do cool. a show that goes live for our Patreon listeners, and then we put it on YouTube for free so that people can see the recorded version for free. Yeah. yeah. Just because so, we don't, I personally don't like anything. I don't like full paywalls. I, for the most part, I yeah. want, especially on the internet, when people are used to getting something for free, I don't want to take it from them for no reason. Well, what you do is, you know, I, I, I and I agree. Um, what you do is you keep that product, which is the free streaming, and then you offer something that is a paywall thing. Aha, you love Henry's show for free, but we have this premium offering. You know, you've heard that. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, what we're finding out is that every time we put up the show on YouTube, YouTube itself carves shit out of our own show because it breaks all of their rules. So <laughs> basically, in only way to see the full show is to go onto the Patreon because it's the only place where you have total freedom. It's actually very sad. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Well, you can d just put it up on your own website and forget uh, YouTube. Just direct this people to your site. We're already yeah. talking about this. This is next. It's building this. But who builds these things? We're just comedians. I ha I don't have I these skills. I got a guy. I got a guy. I know these guys. Hey, I know all come these on. guys. I, like, I, guy. I got this. webmasters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want a webmaster? I know webmasters. <laughs> yeah. um, They're everywhere, Phil, man. I can't thank you enough for doing this show. Thank you for uh, bringing me on, bro. Please, Um, can you just give, you want to plug your information, people, where people see you, where it's the show? Oh, we're at philhenryshow.com. We have a daily netcast over there. And uh, we have a YouTube channel, I think, where we put up certain things there. But you, uh, our website is philhenryshow.com. The show is free on our homepage once a day. And then it, go, it does go behind a paywall for our subscribers. Great. But it's a small amount of money. I'm sure that it would not <laughs> harm anyone out there. <laughs> Occasionally. Please. Yes, please. 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 You know, give to this from my heart to yours. Give to us and we maybe give to you. I don't know. I have to look and see if I give to this man. Let him let him entertain so he doesn't end up on a freeway like Martin Lawrence did with his gun. Do you remember that whole episode? I don't know what's going to happen. Keep Martin him Lawrence off the streets with his gun. Holy shit! Yeah. No, I don't remember. Well, that, that was a that was a freak out. from the nineties, but Woo. just keep Phil Hendry off the streets. Yes. Okay. Yes. That keep we him don't in his need. Home. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Um, but thank, thank you for listening to the LPN show. Make sure you listen to all of the shows on the LPN network. Last podcast on the left, Abling the Top Hat, Wizard the Bruiser, all such. Page seven, pop history. Thank you so much, you beautiful listeners. Now get the hell out of here. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.